Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. I'm delighted to host this podcast and share key trends and innovations for each of the 25 industries we serve. At SAP, we like to say that we speak the language of our customers, and this language is industry. We've been supporting all industries for more than 50 years now, and it's exciting to launch this podcast and discuss with industry experts the business value that they get from our solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. My name is Tom Raftery, and with me on the show today, I have my special guest, Nancy. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Um, so my name is Nancy Varghese, and I am part of the Global Higher Education and Research Industry Business Unit here at SAP. Um, I came actually from industry, so I have over 15 years of experience in the education sector here in the United States, and it's truly a topic and an industry that I'm very passionate about. Superb. Fantastic. Uh, and SAP and higher education aren't necessarily two names you would put together. Most people would associate SAP with, you know, manufacturing or, you know, travel and transport or some of these are utilities or some of these, maybe not so much with higher education. What kind of services do we provide to higher education? And, and could you also just, you know, give us an idea of what you mean by higher education? Absolutely. Good question, Tom. So here at SAP, we represent 25 industries. And one of the most important ones to me, of course, <laughs> is higher education and research. That means that we work with global customers in the area of education. This might be primary, secondary, and most importantly, universities globally, and also research facilities. As you know, some of the most um, well-known higher education institutions have a research facility very active in research. Um, so we represent both of those wings. Today, I like us to talk about how this, um, you know, great resignation has affected this industry. We hear about it in other industries, in the hospitality industry, but you don't often hear about how it's affecting the education sector. Okay, and when you say the great resignation affecting the education sector, are we talking about second level, primary, third level, all of the above? It's all the above. But I really like to have a focus in today's discussion on uh, the university sector, as it's, you know, one of the biggest industries um, globally. OK, so how what are the factors that are, you know, causing people to resign from their jobs in third level and, and what are they, the outcomes of that? Yeah, another very good question, Tom. You know, there's so many factors, so many driving forces, you know, in this great resignation affecting the education industry. Um, let's go back a little bit, though. Um, all of this really came out of the pandemic. You know, when universities and schools closed, there were approximately 1.5 billion students around the globe, according to UNESCO, who physically had to, had to shift from being in-person to remote. Mm -hmm. And now, globally, most of these schools and universities have reopened. Yep. So during this time, you know, the workforce, including teachers, faculty, administrators, they've had an epiphany. They've had a moment of reflection. They've had a moment to rethink their careers and um, what they would like it to look like now. So these are some of the driving forces that we're seeing, um, such as, you know, 
they became essential workers. They now are burnt out. There was a survey conducted by the National Education Association um, in January of this year where approximately 55% of educators were rethinking leaving their careers, mainly because of burnout. Um, This is a huge situation where these faculty administrators and teachers have been forced to teach remotely, then shift back to being in person and, you know, causing a lot of, uh, you know, that work-life balance and stress in the job. But not only that, we're also seeing labor shortages as a result of that. Um, One of the biggest labor shortages actually in the U.S. has been the shortage for uh, nursing professors. We have a shortage of educators teaching the next generation of what will be nurses in the workforce. There's currently already a shortage of um, openings, uh, registered nurses, um, to fill these vacancies. Um, Approximately 194,000 openings um, this year and in the next decade but we don't have the workforce to teach them. So this is gonna be something that's gonna be impacting the education industry itself and other labor industries as well. But we're also looking at, uh, you know, limited career opportunities. Some of these educators, um, they, they have very limited growth opportunities. So they're looking for how can I reinvent myself? How can I get a new career to advance, not only to increase my pay, but also the level of responsibility and the flexibility that they're looking for? And Tom, last thing, I think it's been appreciation, right? Mm. They've had very stressful jobs um, and they've been underappreciated. We, they have had to, like we said, you know, change um, and shift constantly in order to continue to teach the next generation, but with very little appreciation. Sure, sure. I mean, there's the old expression, pay peanuts, get monkeys. And I think, you know, the, the education sector in particular is is sensitive to that okay it is a it's considered education is considered to be a vocational uh, job so that you know people do it because they want to do it a lot of people grow up wanting to be nurses or wanting to be teachers and that kind of thing that's that's all very well but that doesn't give you a license to take advantage of that by underpaying them which i think is the case in a lot of facilities a lot of education facilities globally not just in the us no absolutely tom and that brings us to the next topic you know there's competition there's you know a threat of competition in the education sector where um you know we're seeing attrition not only of employees but students as well um you know there's competition from non-traditional uh educators for example, Google career certificates um, entering, the, entering the education sector where they're willing to train students in a matter of months in careers that are in high demand. This has led to traditional learning in university sectors. There's a decline in some of the enrollment, especially in the U.S. Um, but not only that, you know, we also talk about the value of an education. During this time, you know, students have reconsidered the value of an education, especially in the U.S., where there's $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. Students are rethinking, is this the right career path? Is this going to lead me to the optimal job that I'm looking for, or are there other options? So all of this 
shifting these driving forces, including these threats into the education sector, are driving this great resignation. Right. And yeah, it is. It, it, there is, as you say, the likes of the micro degrees that you can get from people like Google, as you mentioned, and there are several other online academies, the massive open online courses that are available. Uh, the The challenge there, I, I have to think, is that one of the big advantages you get from a, a third level education is half as much well half of the value you get is the networking you do while you're taking part in that education meeting people in classes and these kinds of things some of that has been taken away by the pandemic and the the isolation but it's starting to return you have to think and when you contrast that to one of these MOOCs the massive online open courses you can't you can't be getting the same level of value as you would from actually being in attendance now the other issue that you raised is the issue of student debt. And that is a huge issue for both the US and the UK. But for other countries, it's not. I mean, the, the, the student debt thing seems to be isolated to those, those two countries, whereas most other countries heavily subsidize third level education and second level education and primary education. So... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> but there are there are a couple of issues there. I think the I think there is still a strong place for a good third level education where people are sitting in classes together and networking and making those networks that deliver lifelong value uh, versus the online open courses, which are great for further development. I think rather than a replacement for a degree. No, absolutely, Tom, which actually this probably leads us to the importance of developing a new framework for the education space, for their attracting the workforce and retaining uh, the workforce that they have. You know, retention is so expensive on universities and companies that, you know, we need to develop and evolve from what we traditionally have been doing in the education sector. So I, I like us to explore some of those options that, you know, we could take a look at to continue to attract uh, the best talent in, in, in the education sector. Sure. I mean, how do we do that, given we've already said that they're low paid? <laughs> But, you know, that's that's part of it. As we talked about, that's part of the driving forces. But I think also the education sector is looking now for how can they have more flexible uh, and creative jobs? You know, by flexibility, you know, during during the pandemic, a lot of administrators and educators were allowed to work at home. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, this has been an industry that has been in person. Yeah. How can employers be creative enough to offer their employees options for flexibility? Um, is that a remote options or, a, you know, a reduced work schedule? Um, but in addition to that, also creative job sharing. Um, you know, that's something that other industries have done um, where, multiple people will share the same job responsibility in order to allow for more flexibility, but still covering that position um, if there's a need to cover it, whether it be in person or just the responsibilities that come with it. Okay. And is that a trend that's actually happening or is that something that could happen down the line as we start to see the effects of this greater resignation? Well, it's not currently happening in the education sector, but it is happening in the corporate sector. Um, and that's an area where most of these 
you know, education sector employees are moving towards. They're moving into the corporate sector because of the flexibility and the job sharing opportunities. Um, that I think we could adapt some of those um, strategies in in the education space. Okay. Okay. Cool. And how about ourselves in SAP? Is there any way we can help out in this space? Absolutely. So as you know, universities and schools start to realize that they need to recruit outside of their specific territory. So let me explain this. Mm -hmm. Um, Traditionally, you would recruit within a radius, let's say, you know, a 20 kilometer radius to attract um, employees to the institution because they would have to drive physically to the institution. So now that if we have more remote flexibility options, you can start to recruit um, outside of that radius in other states. and have, uh, you know, a workforce that uh, it has the best talents. But how do we get them here? Some of these schools and universities have had legacy systems for recruitment. Um, so one of the strategies here at SAP that we could help them with is modernizing their systems. We are very good at modernizing, you know, HR systems. We have several different uh, ways that we can do that. We can either do the whole system together, and we're talking about recruitment, onboarding, um, learning and development, or, you know, we can separate that into phases. You don't need to do the, do everything all together. You can sm- slowly and gradually implement our systems in a phased approach, Um but I would say start with the one that's going to give you the biggest impact. And right now it's recruitment. How can you modernize your system to recruit, um, you know, employees outside of your demographic area by giving them a user experience that is so intuitive and easy to navigate um, and keeps them aware of job openings at your institution? Okay, fantastic. And what's next? What's what's next in this space? What are the trends saying or, or is coming down the line? Well, as we said, you know, this is a an area where we're going to have vacancies, um, but we need to adapt to how we're recruiting and retaining our workforce. And as long as we do that, um, you know, the education sector will continue to be a major employer um, in many of these uh, states and countries globally. Um, but it just requires adaptability and that change of mindset, right? Um, I can't stress this enough, how important having open communication and an organizational change management approach of growth um, in order to adapt to these changing environments. Okay, fantastic. And remind me again, you said, if I remember correctly, at the start of the podcast, you said just the University of California alone had, I think you said 190,000 employees? 198,000 employees. Can you imagine that? I mean, that that is a large corporation in, in some standards. It is. I mean, that's twice our workforce and that's just one um, one university educate or one university in the one state of the U.S., right? Correct. Correct. Amazing. 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 
Nancy, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. Is there any question I have not asked you that you wish I had or any aspect of this that we haven't touched on that you think it's important for people to be aware of? No, Tom, I think we've covered, you know, various aspects of this great resignation from the driving forces to the threats in the education sector and finally giving our listeners um, some strategies for developing a great retention and workforce um, programs at their institutions. Okay, fantastic. Nancy, that's been great. If people want to know more about yourself or higher ed or any of the topics we discussed in the podcast today, where would you have me direct them? Absolutely. They can always go uh, to my LinkedIn profile and connect with me through LinkedIn. Plus, you know, we also have an industries page on SAP. Um, So look for the higher education and research industry page. And Tom, um, I have some articles on Forbes coming out. So I'll share those with you so you can share them with the audience. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's great. We'll do that. That's fantastic, Nancy. That's been really interesting. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. If you want to explore our industry portfolio to find the solutions you need to run your business better, faster and simpler, please visit us at sap.com slash industries.